0: Have a dream that all men are created equal. Hello everyone and welcome back to Your Story. I'm your host Ian Kath. this is episode 62. It hasn't been too long this time, which is rather nice isn't it? It's nice to get a couple of episodes out reasonably quick smart and I hope in the next month I'll be able to get a few more episodes out. I'm going to Sydney, I'm going to Sydney for an entire month for family reasons and I'll be down there for the duration of the rest of May and just into a little bit of June and I'm hoping to catch up with a few people. If you happen to be in Sydney, and you want to get hold of me, you want to track me down and maybe go and have a beer or a coffee, let me know. I'd love to catch up with you. I uh, have a lot of good friends in Sydney. I look forward to meeting a few people I haven't seen in a long time, and maybe meet a few people I haven't met as yet. So if you're in Sydney and you want to catch up with me, you'll be getting this episode just as I'm probably arriving in Sydney. I'll be leaving in a couple of days' time from when I'm recording this. So um, get hold of me. You know the usual ways to get hold of me, which is on Twitter. My name's Ian Kath. Course on Twitter, or you can send me an email which is chat at your story podcast.com. That's probably the best way to get hold of me. We're not going to mess about today, don't have any great news for you. Nothing much is happening other than I'm working really diligently over at Create Your Life Story, the other podcast. If you haven't checked that out, I'd really appreciate it if you checked out Create Your Life Story. Oh, by the way, there is a Facebook fan page for your story. If you just search for your story in Facebook, You can find it, or if you go to the link that's on the site, I'd really appreciate a few more likes, get a few more fans onto it, build the numbers up a little bit more, that way I can actually get a URL for it. But other than that, I don't have any real great news, but I'd like to get into today's show, because this is one of those episodes that I wanted to do at the end of last year, but things got in the way, which I've mentioned on previous episodes. But I finally got around to sitting down with this couple and talking to them, because they're an amazing couple. They're You've met these sort of people. They're this people who are so generous with themselves. They think nothing of bending over backwards for anybody. And when they end up in a situation whereby they can help other people, they go out of their way to do that. And it's rare that you come across people so selfless in this modern society. And I thought it was worth sitting down and talking to them about what they're up to. They are a couple who I've met through Tango, and the great thing about dancing tango is you meet people of all different experiences in life and they have taken tango and what they've got from tango and given something back to a community that has desperately needed it and it is one of the most heartwarming stories i've heard in a very long time so i'd like you to hear it also here's john and cheryl's story 7th of April, 2010. Hello, John. Hello, Cheryl. Hi. Welcome welcome to Your Story. Your Story is all about people who have something interesting to talk about. So I thought we'd sit down and have a bit of a yarn about a few things that you guys are doing. And I know very little about your background, so it's going to be a bit of an exploration of your lives. But particularly, I'd like to talk about this amazing work you're doing with a charity in Argentina. So why don't we start with that? Let's talk about your experiences with tango and how a few years ago you must have discovered a need in Argentina. How did you end up in that situation?
1: We started uh, to learn tango in Brisbane back in 1998. We essentially found fairly early on that there was a lot more to tango than uh, was being presented to us here. So we started to search for it. Uh, we went to the United States and did classes with one of the top teachers over there, came back here, and then eventually, as most people do, we took off to Argentina in 2000. And we went back to Argentina in about 2003 or 4, and uh, realised that their economic, their own personal uh, global economic crisis, which happened in 2001, was a disaster. It was terrible for people. Uh, children were begging in the streets, children were coming into the shopping centres begging.
0: Just to they, give people an idea of how bad that crisis was, the peso at the time was on parity with the US dollar, wasn't that's it? That's right, yes. And then they devalued it to what? I think it was
1: by the time we went there the second time, it was about double. Mm. So it was about two to one Australian mm. right. dollars. So all of a sudden you, when the Aussie you might have, was say,
0: 10,000 mm. pesos in mm. your bank account, and the next day you had 5,000. 5,000, mm. yeah. So people were really suffering.
1: Uh, many companies uh, closed down uh, and friends of ours, close friends of ours found themselves without a job uh, and they were doing what a lot of other people were doing and sort of making things to sell in the streets at uh, market stalls just to survive. We came back to Australia and talking with a few friends...
2: But we had already begun before that. It's in 2000, probably one or two Mm, mm. uh we
1: decided yeah Mm, we decided
2: mm. in that we had so much joy from tango that we had an obligation to say thank you argentina for all the happiness we'd have we we were like kids in a lolly shop i often say because a group of us all started back to dancing And so we were out almost every night and weekends and our children would be saying, oh, where are you? You know, (laughs) instead of the reverse. And we said, no, we have to say thank you. What could we do? Oh, let's run a a milonga and we'll give the money.
0: A milonga is a tango dance.
2: Exactly. Yeah, Okay. we started that and then we thought, oh, now how do we get this money there? We had a lot of people saying, Oh, you'll never do it, the corruption, how will you do it? So you
0: started the Malonga to actually generate money mm. for the charity? For
2: the for the children in Argentina. Okay, so
0: why? Why choose to start a charity for the children?
2: Because what was we your motivation? Wanted, Because we wanted to say thanks Argentina. Mm.
0: But but why children?
2: Because we love children.
0: Mm. And yes. and we knew um... what had you seen? What had you seen
2: We well we we knew life was difficult there. At that time, we didn't know quite how difficult and we thought this would be just a little something that we'd make a bit of money and send it over somehow. You know, we had this kind of pie-in-the-sky idea that we would do ha- something.
0: Did you know that the children were doing it tough? Yes,
2: yes, oh, yes. you could see How that. did you know that? Well, we saw mm. it in the streets what when the, we were there.
1: Even in 2000, the children were begging. Mm. Even then, mm. the children so, would come into the into the, into the shopping centre uh, begging for food and money. Mm. So it was tough then. So these and children were living on the street, were they? They were living on the streets, mm. yeah. Mm. So And we knew that after 2001, uh, things got very tough for everybody mm. over there and that the children were really suffering. And as it turned out later on, that was precisely our experience, that, that uh, children were being uh, abandoned by their parents because mm. they just had no money. These kids were being dumped on the door of foster homes and that sort of thing. But they, that's how it started. Mm.
2: Yeah, and from that time then what we used to do was when we had friends who we knew and trusted, uh, we'd get them to take it over to our friends there, Mercedes and Hernan. Okay, let's ask Mercedes and her husband then, Hernan, to help us do it. So they said, yes, okay, and they went out and they found a social worker. And of course, there were so many people that needed help. They chose out a couple of places. One was a farm that helped young people, more teenagers who were either on drugs or this kind of thing. And they taught them organic farming, helped them. And then there was Los Oneros, which is the one that we work with mostly now. And we started helping them. They existed. What,
0: What exactly is it? Is it a children's home?
2: It's a foster home run by a lady who just gathered people in in the beginning when, I think there was a flood there. Mm, There
1: was a flood in the 80s.
2: Mm. And she had this property, and when the people had nowhere to go, she said, come here. And so they felt that they were very needy. So we started working. What
0: age group are we talking about? Do they
2: tend to look after? Los they they can be from babies, newborn, through to... Whatever age, you know. Some of them get married when they're there and then Elisa lets them build a little house on her block. So you've got the main foster home, which can have from 12 to 20, depending on what the situation is. You know, the police will often just come and dump a couple of kids there who they've found in traumatic need. It varies.
1: So she's a, she is a formal foster home. Yes, yeah, she's sense, a registered charity. Um, the, name, <clears throat> the name of the place is Civil Los Juaneros and Civil is uh, essentially the, the formal name for a civil association or what we'd call a charitable association. She is a real foster home in that children come and go. If they can find a family to move on to, that, then they do. So there's always a flow through of children there. It's not, not like an orphanage where they just, they're just they just there forever.
2: But some of them some, are, Although
0: some they, of them are.
2: They never yeah, find anywhere to home. place them.
0: That's where they are. Mm. So when you first discovered them, they were doing it tough by the sounds of
2: it. Extremely tough. The original photos that we've got when we first met them, Elisa was cooking on a split 44-gallon drum outside of just the shack. They had one light bulb that they used to take from room to room. Just had it, you know, the connections that you've probably seen over there. That just the wire comes in.
1: Mm. and in. And all the walls of most of the external walls and all the internal walls at that time were uh, three plot and no windows. So in the winter it was cold, mm. uh, particularly when things like the bedding was poor. So no, Kids had no, no proper floor. blankets. There was no floor. It, it was just
2: was um, just a shanty. Pathetic,
1: really. Yeah. And that's why you chose to help them, because you saw the state of it? Essentially, our our vision was to always attempt to help people to help themselves. In other words, we didn't want to just dish up money to people to keep them in the same condition that they've always been in. So the old uh, teach a man to fish. The teach a man to yes. fish principle, yeah. So that's really what we wanted to do. We wanted to improve her lot so that she could... Improve the children's lot. To that end, we started out, uh, you know, installing a hot water system for the first time, and and giving them a stove, and and we made and got uh,
2: the um, incubator so they could get the chickens going and all that sort of, try and help them to yeah. make their own foods and things like that.
1: But then later on, um, on one of our visits, some of the young people told us that the thing they wanted most of all, the thing they were most concerned about, was education. What they were worried about was because they were poor, they were going to be left behind in this this new world of technology and, and education. And they were very worried about that for themselves and for their children. So we said, okay, well, how can we help? Can we start to introduce just basic computing into their household, one thing and another? And then it became clear that this wasn't going to be possible until the house was completed because everyone told us that unless they had a secure house, that they would never keep a computer in it because it would just be stolen. Mm. Not only that, what we realised too was a first priority for children is to give them the security of of a warm bed, you know, a safe, secure house Mm. to live in and a warm bed at night, we decided that would be the immediate priority. And over the next few years, we then completely rebuilt the house to the point now where the construction work is done. It's a lovely home. It has two dormitories,
2: us. a girls' mm. dormitory, boys' dormitory, great big living area, a commercial kitchen, so that Elisa mm. has got some... Comfortable space oh. to look after okay. all those children. Yeah. And I think the thing was that we realised as we started off, and we'd earn a few dollars to start with, and we helped the um, juvenile to buy farm tools to help those kids. And then we were rebuilding a little bit here, put in a bathroom, put in a little kitchen, that sort of thing. Then all of a sudden, well, I guess it really started, John did a really good website. And people, we'd been around a while, and people started to say, "Okay, we know who you are now. And so it really exploded, and we were able to make more money. So we said, "Okay, we're going to make a project of rebuilding the foster home because we can't give them life skills and education in the space they're in now. So that gave a real focus. And in so doing that... It's really helped the t- tango community in Australia and elsewhere to come together.
0: How have you generated the money? How have you used tango as a tool to generate money for this charity?
2: Always by running a milonga.
0: Right. So you've been, you've been running your milongas, mm-hmm. your dan- your tango dances that mm-hmm. we all participate in, mm-hmm. and that's been generating some income. So mm-hmm. we pay our small fee, mm-hmm. like the wonderful Saturday milonga at the Rotunda, which is a park in the centre of Brisbane with a beautiful old antique rotunda in the centre of it, which is open to the public, and we all go there and we dance tango in the open air on beautiful evenings for $5. And that money goes to this very charity, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And you also organise other malongas. But there is a bigger community in regards to mm. this than just you two and a few mm. people here in Brisbane. How is this charity growing? Well, that that was a vision
1: right from Mm -hmm. the start. Our vision was uh, to see if we could uh, encourage tango organisers around the world to give us one dance per year in the name of Milonga para los niños. To that end, we've been modestly successful. Um, To date, uh, Sydney has has always done a dance. Uh, We've had Milongas in Adelaide, Perth, one in Auckland, New Zealand, We've had one in Germany, near Munich, and we now have a regular annual milonga in uh, Buenos Aires. This has kind of taken Coles to Newcastle, isn't it? Mm. We've now got uh, good people uh, running dance for us in Buenos Aires, in the home Tango.
2: Everyone does everything on a volunteer basis. The only things we pay for are for the venue, food, those sorts of things. Yeah, it's it's completely
0: non for profit. Yeah. Yeah. This is no big deal. You know, like in the sense that we're talking about relatively small amounts of Mm. money, occasionally at a Malonga. Why does it have a significant impact when it's in the Australian terms? Mm. We're not talking about much money here. How come you've been able to have a bigger bang for your buck, so to speak, than what I could possibly imagine?
1: Well, we do know that, I mean, the value of the dollar against the peso is, is very good. Our people over there do buy very well. And they just don't go to the hardware chains and, and buy. They get the best deals, and in a place like Argentina, the best deals are very good. So we do get a lot for our money in that sense. But the other side of it too uh, is that what we find, for example, in Sydney, the Malongas are very successful mm-hmm. because Sydney people, for some reason have no difficulty subscribing to, for example, a charity auction, and they will spend a lot of money at a charity auction. Uh, presumably, uh, Sydney people have the money and they're willing to spend it.
2: Uh, that yeah. year, we got $10,000 from Sydney, from their uh, Milonga. Oh. And they raised 9000 something dollars, and people were prepared to... Mm pay the dollars to because they knew mm. it was for the charity. And so many people now have visited over there and see what the kids need. So there, the word spreads around and they say, yes, mm. this is legitimate. I mean, when we were there, we know that there are kids there who are psychologically scarred from the dreadful things that have happened to them. And this is something that we're trying to move on to now is to get some psychologists or psychiatrists to go down there and help those kids because without that, they can't get over the trauma in their life. Mm. There's one little boy there who was dumped on Elise's doorstep when he was six, I think it was, and never heard from his parents ever again until just this last year. And the mother turned up and said, Oh, you know, can I want to get you back again and just I want you to sign this to do it. She got that letter and all it was was to get money from some agency and then the child never saw her again. So that was really, really distressing because he had been thinking, why doesn't anybody of my family want to come and see me? What what did I do? What's wrong? And then turn up and think, oh, wow, here's mum, and then get the money and run, Mm. not give anything to them. There's two little girls was, were dumped there just before her nan came here this year. They'd been put out to be prostitutes by their grandmother. How old were they? Eight and ten. Oh. You know, this is yeah. what you're dealing with. So whilst you're trying to make a home and a comfortable place, then you've got to deal with all those children being together with all those traumatic mm. problems. That's very hard. Mm. Sure. Anan and Mercedes although they're only sort of in 30 to 40 age group they are like the mum and dad who go down there and say this is what we have to do and look after them and they could see one boy was really really upset one day and, and Mercedes had to go in there and talk with him and find out what the problem was and it was a simple thing like that is he had a bad toothache but that was only on top everything else that had happened to him
0: what about corruption because Argentina is known for um, not having the world's best business practices and I know a lot of people you said it earlier John that you know, if you try and do this the corruption is going to prevent you from getting anywhere people are going to thieve the money take it away from you it'll it'll have to you'll have to pay backhanders to everybody to get anything done mm. how has that happened
1: how is it it is a problem but I, I I sense in some regards it's a problem more of perception. Uh, There's this perception that everybody, without fail, is corrupt. Um, The reality is that Argentina is like every other place in the world. There are good people and there are bad people. We've been very fortunate in that we have attracted and found good people to the extent where Mercedes and Hana are, are very close friends mm-hmm. and they just give as much as they possibly can. But, of course, being there themselves and being locals, they can discern between good and bad people. So they, in turn, find good people. We've been very careful, too, not to ever really give anybody money. Uh, during the house reconstruction, which has been done over three stages, We've gone to contract with a local builder down there, and we've uh, been able to manage the money very carefully. Know where it goes, know what labour's put in, uh, and what materials are being purchased. And her so, name
2: goes and
0: buys and name, the
2: materials.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're not you're not giving the money to the builder no. to go buy the materials. <coughs> no. So you're not getting markups. We're or, not getting markups yeah, or right. anything of that nature.
1: So to that extent, we have found really good people, and it's gone even further than that. Uh, mm. More recently, uh, Jude has found a fellow by the name of Hugo Murphy. And Judy,
0: Judy's is another uh, member of the committee.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, Judy, um, Hugo Murphy, uh is a man who was uh, really a bookkeeper accountant, semi-retired, and has decided that he wants to do charitable things in his own country. A very energetic man, exceedingly honest, straightforward guy. So we've been really lucky. We, we haven't experienced any corruption issues the only problem we had
2: really was how do we get the money there in the first Mm. place so we used to send it with our friends we only gave it to people who we knew and trusted they would take it over give it to mercedes and hanan and they would go and purchase what we could Mm. do but now it's become more formal we are a proper registered charity in queensland and now we have a, the banking arrangements set up so that Henan has access to the account. Uh, we tried once to send money through a bank and it never got there. We just sent a small amount as a test to see what would happen. The bank said, no, no, it's not there because the has to go there with another person. They both sign all this. No, it wasn't there. Now, a year later... They say, oh, the money's there, but you have to pay to get it out. And there's not enough money. You know, it was just a complete corruption thing. So, so the, bank the, bank. The, oh, bank. Like,
1: the bank actually scammed to steal it. The bank actually scammed. They essentially, in the end, decided that, that the, the entire uh, small amount was eaten up by fees. $100. We
2: was 100%. $100. $100. Mm. We thought, OK, mm. we'll
1: mm. send
2: that over and see how this works and see mm. if that's a mm. way when we mm. started the construction.
1: Exactly. This, this is one of the wonderful things with modern technology I mean five to ten years ago you wouldn't have been able to do what you can do today you have to work through uh, local systems like local banks and we can easily operate in Argentina with a bank account in Brisbane
0: which is wonderful because as Absolutely. Australian dollar increases you're mm-hmm. getting more bang for your buck over in Argentina Precisely. and if mm. another two thousand one mm. crisis mm. happens in Argentina the money is secure. Money mm-hmm. is secure. That's mm-hmm. quite right. And not only that,
1: we have a, a typical Australian banking situation with it where the bank uh, looks after us as a charity. Have you had major successes in country due to people's goodwill? In Argentina? Yes. Mainly, look, we'd have to say that our building contractor uh, certainly did a very good job and we think it was excellent value. It uh, was brought he, in under budget. He, he, he actually completed the first two stages under budget. And the third stage as well, the whole thing's been been built under budget. Now, if you were to tell somebody that about Argentina, they'd laugh at you. This well, is, this is it's the, too easy this is to is be
0: it. corrupt enough to just go into budget. That's right. And yeah, that was, like going under budget yeah. means
1: you've got to be generous. This is also in the face of inflation, which is a difficulty over there. So all in all, we'd have to say that, that people like him have really come to the fore and done what they've done out of goodwill. We also know, when our tango people go there, when anyone goes there and talks about the charity, we get a a wonderful reception. Mm. And, of course, uh, now with the malonga over there, people are very generous. Typically, people would come up to us and say, we feel so happy that you strangers are doing this for us.
2: So, what can we now
1: do? That's what's mm. happening yeah. over
2: there that people are thinking, wow, well, you've come here to do that for our country, so we should start and mm. help. So, that's fostering mm. more help there. For the children there, the loveliest thing for them is that someone from another country cares about them. That is a mm. big thing. You can give them all the material things. We had two ladies from here who made quilts for the children. Karen made 24 and... 24 quilts. 24 quilts. Handmade, lovely quilts of all for girls, for boys, for teenagers. And another lady from down the coast here, Colleen, she made at 12. And those children now have got all those little reminders of Australia that Australia cares about them. And that is a huge thing for them because they've had very hard lives or they wouldn't be in the foster care to start with. And to think somebody who doesn't really even know them cares about them and has made this place a safe home for them and now we're starting to look at what we can do to direct them into some sort of work that they'll be able to do and learn some
0: skills. So they've got careers, careers their Careers to yeah. do,
2: yeah. yeah. So that's that's what we wanted to do in the beginning, but we couldn't do it till we gave, had a safe environment mm. to begin that work. So now that's the next mm. stage of the project.
1: It's fascinating to see what people get back from giving. We've found on, on a number of occasions in a number of cities, when we start or when we ask people to start a Milonga and they agree... They're concerned because there's, there's a certain amount of division amongst their tango communities. You know, people go off with particular schools and it can create divisions. So people sometimes are concerned as to whether they'll get the numbers. But we found absolutely without exception that the spirit of this charity brings communities together. And for the first time in many years, tango communities work together and then stay together and this even happened in Buenos Aires, where Hugo invited a number of well-known teachers to come and perform together at the Malonga last year. And for the first time, these people came and performed together. Many of them, he said, would hardly be seen in the same room. Because they're all competitive with because each other. Because they're competitive with each other. But on this occasion... They uh, put all that aside. Except the spirit of the Malonga, put all that aside... And work together and we we think that's just a wonderful outcome for the whole, for everybody. For the sake of the children. For the sake of the children, Mm -hmm. yeah. The upshot with the charity is that uh, we're in the fortunate position now of being in our 10th full year. So we're now really uh, not only pushing forward with, with our vision to bring education to the children, but we've also got to start thinking about things like succession. How this uh, successful charity it will now uh, sustain itself over time, and there are lots of ways that can happen, um, but we've got to really start putting that into into, into action now yeah. to make sure that uh, it sustains itself. Yeah, I mean one of the things that we found with the children over there is that they are absolute sponges for knowledge. Our kids kind of take it for granted that. Uh, learning and knowledge is going to be dished up to them, whereas over there it's not the same. So you tend to find that the children really grasp opportunities. One of the things that rather surprised us early on was that the children and young people learn so much from things like the National Geographic Channel on television, things that we kind of take for granted as entertainment. But for them it's a very important way of... of getting educated and getting information about the world. So that there's lots of, lots of interesting things happening out there. From our perspective, uh, being able to get the kids to school is a priority at the moment. The way Argentina works is, is that officially children have to go to school up until, I think it's about grade 9 or 10, but in reality they tend to go to school until about grade 6 unless their parents can afford to keep them going. There they are at age, what, 12, mm-hmm. in grade 6, and there's this enormous gap between that age and the and the age when they're making life for themselves, working and so on. And and this is the stage that they can really either make something of themselves or get into trouble. When they're sitting there at 12, 13, 14 years old, feeling that life hasn't got anything to offer, then they can fall into drugs and life on the street and so on. And that's what we're Mm. really keeping them out of as much as possible.
2: Well, that was one good thing that came from the construction of the new home Mm. because the older boys, the 14-year-olds, they helped in the construction. Obregon, Mm. who was the builder, he encouraged Mm. those boys to help and he was teaching them how to do construction Mm, work. So that was kind of another side Mm. issue from the actual construction, and we were really hoping that we could have gotten those boys into an apprenticeship, but they don't really have that system there. We need to be able to have someone who can just uh, take them on board like used to happen here, but without the schooling that goes with it. Yep. But mm. at least it's given a them a... The very
0: old-fashioned form of apprenticeship. Mm. Exactly, mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So we're hoping that Obregon might be able to continue or find some people over there who would take those boys on.
0: Mm. But either way, they're getting experience. They're getting mm. experience. And that means that they've got a, an entry into some other... Mm. Yeah. And, and
2: at the moment, uh, the next thing we're looking at is that there's a group over there who will come and help start a farm up to a hectare in size and they encourage the children to help in that area too. So to give them those skills as well. They do have some chickens there. We want to be able to perhaps build that up so that they can have chickens for sale, they can have vegetables for Mm. sale, they can feed themselves give them those skills for the farming Mm. as well. So then what we'd like to do is that they could do a business plan for that. The older children might be able to start, learn some administrative mm-hmm. skills and things like that to actually help the home and help themselves. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment, mm-hmm. trying to...
0: Well, it sounds like it's powering. It sounds like it's doing really quite well.
1: And I think we're entering a, a new and exciting phase because it's what we've been aiming for for a long time. We've been working away at securing the property and giving the children that the comfort of a home that's now almost done. And we really want to take the next step of saying, well, now we want to give you a future as well as a home. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be another,
0: another interesting and exciting era, I think. Yeah. And this all came out of wanting to give something back to Tango. You're actually not mm. giving it back to Tango, you're giving it back to Argentina which is the birthplace of tango well that's it it's really quite a
2: that's you know what what can we give to the tango community nothing particularly you know we go there and enjoy it that sort of thing but we thought what could we do to say thank you in a better way
0: go to the grassroots Mm. of the Mm. the children and the history of tango is it's a working class dance
2: exactly it is Mm.
0: not a flashy thing it is core people doing core things, and Mm. what better than helping raise children?
2: Mm. It's been wonderful for those children. It's been wonderful for the Tango community here because it has brought people together. There's no downside to
0: it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Just briefly, your personal backgrounds. Why have you been interested in doing this? Because we haven't got talked about you two. Look, I think Cheryl and I have always been
1: inclined to be people who want to be involved in things. And we've always really been people who are happy to give our time to whatever we're involved in. Now this goes right back to the days when our children were in school and we were always involved at that level. We would have been involved with the local PNC, we were involved with their sporting groups. Um, so involvement in things has always been Part of our life, really, and uh, and we've never been frightened to give our time mm-hmm. to anything we thought was worthwhile. Um, Cheryl, for example, spent 25 years doing Meals, meals on, on Wheels. wheels. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, we've we've always uh, not consciously thought of it as as being involved in charitable works. We've certainly been happy to be involved and contribute. I think we've always community. thought
2: too, how lucky are we to ha- live here and have such a nice life? So, to do something for somebody else, if you can do it, why not? I mean, that, mm. that's been our philosophy. We can do something to help someone, then that's what we like to do. It's
1: just, you know, just how we are. That's how we are. So yeah, that's that's kind of what 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 drives us, and uh, and it's probably been what's driven and uh, I think once once Mm. you get
2: started, you 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 don't know how to get off because you think oh we've got to there okay oh well Mm. now we could do this now we could do that and Mm. make that life better. Mm. So I think that's really what it's about is to helping someone else make their Mm. life better when we live Mm. in such an easy world. here in Australia
0: well I think that's a good way to wrap it up actually okay John Cheryl thank
1: thank you you very much for coming on the show and
0: explaining a a little bit about some really wonderful work thank you thank you Ian bye 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 Bye
1: now.